to 1 Kings chapter 3. And as I read uh, this chapter, I was actually struck by the first three verses here in Kings chapter 3. And what it does, or what they do, is that they reveal sin and compromise of King Solomon. And when I look at Christians today, I believe that many are making the same choices of sin and compromise, and they don't really realize the destruction that it's bringing upon their lives. And we go through this only so that the Lord can put us back on track, on the track that He desires us to walk in, the track that He desires us to be in, that path that He's designed for each and every one of us. And as I was reading this, I felt just a, a, strong, a strong desire, a strong stirring, just to really talk to you about this area. And uh, the title of today's message is Finish Strong. Finish Strong. You know, we took approximately a year and a half to cover the life of King David. And now we're going to be examining the life of his son, King Solomon. I'll share this with you. Our examination of King Solomon won't be as long as, as it was with uh, King David, but we will examine it and we will learn the many lessons from this man's life. And what we're going to see this evening is that he did have a strong beginning, even though there was this sin and compromise. But we're going to see from the scriptures how sad his ending was. And this is not what God wants for any of us. I want you to understand this. Even God, through King Solomon, he spoke to us from Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, where he says, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. In other words, it's not how you start, but how you finish. And I want to share this with you, or let me ask you this question. What do you think is worse, a rocky start and a strong finish? Or a great start with a weak finish. You know, I believe that the rocky start with the strong finish is, is more desirable. The desire of God, of course, is to start strong and remain strong. But we know that sometimes we stumble, sometimes we slip and trip. But His desire is that we would always have a strong finish. See, it's all about the ending and never about the beginning. It's about ending strong, and I believe that God wants every single one of us in our walk to end strong, and especially in these last days. You know, as we see the world around us, we know that the Lord's return is soon, and finishing strong is what He's looking for in each and every one of us. Today, we're going to look at these two things that hindered, and that really brought a lot of destruction into the life of King Solomon. We're talking about sin and compromise. And so as we look at these things, I just want you to meditate on just his life, but not only his life, but also your life. Looking, where you, looking at your own walk and 
and looking where you stand. How many of us are familiar with King Solomon here? Many? few of you? Okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some insight on this man. I'm going to give you some, some insight so that you can just come to uh, just a, an, a, an, an idea as to who he was and, and the type of reign that he had. And I'm also going to compare him to King David because I think it's important that as we look at Solomon and David, we can see both of them and we can really see one and distinguish him from the other. Solomon, I want you to understand, is Solomon was a man of peace, yet his father David was a man of war. Solomon was a builder. He loved to build. Yet his father, David, was actually a fighter. Solomon was a scholar. Understand that. He was extremely wise. And when we look at David, David was a soldier. When we look at Solomon, Solomon was a man of luxury. He loved the nice things. But yet when we looked at his father, David, David was a man of humility. Solomon wrote Proverbs. And yet when we look at David, David wrote the Psalms. David was wise. And when we look at Solomon, we're going to realize that Solomon was a wise fool. Okay? When we think about this, right, my last statement about Solomon, we know that, or you'll see as we go through the scriptures, that Solomon was the wisest, the wealthiest, and the most influential king of all time, but yet he was a very foolish king. And why do I say foolish? Let me explain to you what happened in David's life. God appeared to him twice. Imagine that. God appeared to Solomon twice. We're going to see one as we talk about this next week. And then we're going to talk about the second appearance in 1 Kings chapter 9. When the temple is completed. But the other thing why Solomon was foolish is that he knew the truth. He knew the truth. But yet, he decided not to walk in it. Think about that. Knowing the truth and not deciding to walk in it. You know, James talks about this. James talks about this in James chapter 4, verse 8, where he mentions a double-minded man, a man that loves sin, And 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 a man that loves the Lord. See, this is what we have in Solomon. He loved the Lord. His desire was to please the Lord, but he also had a desire to please himself, to please his desires, to satisfy his desires. What's so amazing about Solomon is, is, you know, knowing that he was called to lead the nation of Israel, the grace of God that was upon the life of Solomon. And yet he still searched for joy outside of God. I mean, that's, you know, when we think about that, right, that's, to me it's, you know what, it's alarming as well as confounding only because when you understand the grace of God, 
Why do you search for the joy of God in other things? You know, when we look at our churches today, I want you to know this. King Solomon is actually a picture of our church today. I'm not talking about our specific church. I'm talking about the church in general. And why do I say this? Because they desire the Lord, but also desire the world at the same time. Think about that. King Solomon is a picture of our world today. Desiring the Lord, but desiring the world at the same time. And when we look at Solomon, he searched and he searched for satisfaction throughout his life. When he already had it with God, but yet he wasn't satisfied with that. Can you believe that? Yet he wasn't satisfied with that. And so he went after the things of the world. He went after possessions. He went after pleasure. He went after women. He went after all things. And yet he came to the conclusion in his life that it was all vanity. It was all vanity. When you look at Ecclesiastes, the beginning of the book and the ending, this is what he says. Ecclesiastes 1, 2 and Ecclesiastes 12, 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does that mean when we talk about vanity? What he's trying to say is that there is no happiness, there is no joy apart from God. And when he thinks about that, right, as he writes about this, he, he called himself the preacher there, reminding us of the mistakes that he made. And these are the lessons that we learn, we learn from Ecclesiastes. It's important for us as we look at that book, as we're not going to study it today, but as we see that book, I mean, it's lessons to learn from a man that went after the things of the world. And yet it was all vanity. When we think about this, right, Solomon knew God. Solomon was wise, the wisest man. But yet he still wanted the pleasures of the world. Does this sound like any of us? Think about that. Is the Lord speaking to any of us here? Knowing God. And yet wanting the pleasures of the world. Let's go ahead and read the first three verses of 1 Kings chapter 3. And then we'll expound on these verses. Verse 1 says this. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. We're going to end here. As we look at this, right, we, we see to ourselves, well, you know what, maybe what he's doing doesn't look so bad. But when we look at the Word of God and compare what he's doing to the Word of God, the Word of God says this is not good. We're going to read verse 1 and we're going to see the first point that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about sin, which is disobedience to the Lord. Let's go ahead and read that. And it says there, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. 
Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. You know, when we read this, do we see anything wrong with this? Think about that. Do you see anything wrong with this? I want you to know that there is a lot that is wrong with this. As we look at this, King Solomon's first wife is the daughter of Pharaoh. She's not a Jew. And there were clear instructions from the Word of God that the Jews were not to marry Gentiles. In other words, non-Jews, pagans, non-believers. I want to read this to you, and it comes to us in Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Parasites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Here it is. You shall make no covenant with them or show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. The instructions are clear here, right? Even though it wasn't talking about it, Egypt, the principle is what's important. When you are in the promised land, you are not to intermarry with non-believers. You are not to intermarry with pagans. They will turn you from following after me. What they will cause you to do is to serve other gods. And this same instruction has been given to us. You may say, well, that's for the Jews. What about Christians? I'm going to share this with you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. It says this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He's talking to the Christian here. He's saying, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. See, God knows what's best for us. See, what happens with a believer and a non-believer, you are from two different worlds. Understand that. They have other ideas. They have other gods. They have other desires. Their desires are for the world, and yet your desires are for God and the kingdom of God. And understand, these two worlds cannot come together. There will be friction. There will be problems. I know many marriages where there's unequally yoked. Many times what happens here is that the, the 
husband or the wife becomes a believer and yet they're still married and the word of God says to remain married so that you can be an example for them so that they can come to know the Lord. But what happens in that marriage, they go through such hardship and such pain. That's what happens. That's why God says don't be unequally yoked. Otherwise, you're going to experience these problems because see, you're from two different worlds. Their desires for the things of the world, and they're led by the devil himself. I hate to say that. But the believer is led from God and has different desires. And so that's why these two worlds are from two different locations, and they can never be one. I want to give you the other command that God gave. And it's from the law of God, and this, this was specifically for kings. He told... The kings not to have multiple wives. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 14. It says, When you came to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like the nations that are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, You shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver or gold for himself. We see here an instruction not to multiply horses. Why? Because the strength is in the Lord. See, because then you begin to have pride, right? You begin to think it's your own strength. It's your own doing. He says, don't have multiple wives because they will turn your heart away from me, just like we read in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he says, don't multiply money. Why? Because greed will eat you up. And this is what you have here. I want to give you insight on Solomon in case some of you don't know this. Did you know that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines? How can he handle a thousand women? Think about that. That's a lot of women. And what was he doing? He was disobeying the word of God. Solomon knew better. Solomon knew the Lord. He knew the word, but yet he still wanted to do his own thing. What is this called? This is called sin. See, seeking to serve the Lord and to satisfy your own desires, this is sin. This is being double-minded. This is wanting the world and wanting Christ. This is why we have our churches that are filled this way today, right? They want to do the things of God, but they also want to do the things of the world. Remember this. When we looked at this, it didn't seem like it was anything, did it? As we read it, the, the writer didn't put any attention to it. He didn't bring out the sin of Solomon. He didn't say, you know what? The Lord commanded him not to have multiple wives or not to have pagan wives. But yet, Solomon did it. I don't see the writer bringing that out. I don't see the writer putting it in quotations that, you know what, that he wanted these things and... These things were contrary to God. 
You know why this is in here? So that we can see the subtlety of sin. Remember, sin starts small. You don't always see the sin. Or you may not think it's sin. And this is the subtlety we have here. We don't have the right bringing it to our attention. We don't have the Lord bringing this out. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about this today. See, one decision to sin will snowball into a life of sin. One decision to sin will snowball into a life of sin. And what else do we see David doing here? You know, I found this extremely interesting. What happens when a believer is sinning? Aren't they always hiding it? Think about that. Whenever you sin, you're always doing it, what, in the dark, right? Or you're doing it behind closed doors so that no one can see you. Isn't this a normal pattern for all sinners? I want to share this with you, and I want to bring you back to our original parents, the parents of all mankind. Remember Adam and Eve when they sinned? What did they do? Genesis 3 verse 8 says, They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. I want you to know this, that when you sin, your immediate thought is to hide it, isn't it? You don't want people to know that you're sinning. You don't want anyone to see you. That's why you do it in the dark. That's why you do it so that no one can see you. You try to hide your tracks. Did you know that that's exactly what Solomon was doing there? He knew he was sinning. He knew that he was sinning when he took Pharaoh's daughter. I want to read something to you from Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 11. It says this, Now Solomon brought the daughter of Pharaoh up from the city of David to the house he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places to which the ark of the Lord has come are holy. You may be saying, what does that have to do with Pharaoh's daughter? Remember, he brought her into the city of David, but he never brought her into the house of David. There was a reason why he did this. You know why? Because she was unclean. She was a non-believer. She was an unbeliever. And the unbeliever could not be with the ark of God. That's holy. That's righteous. And so we see this, right, that He knew that she couldn't be there. And so she stayed in a place until her palace was completed. See, Solomon, what we see him doing is he's hiding his sin. Attempting to keep it from God. As if God cannot see our sin. Think about that, right? How many times do we sin and, and we don't even think about God looking at us sinning? You know, when we sin, understand this, God is looking at us. When you're doing things you shouldn't be doing that is contrary to the word of God, God is looking. There's another reason why sometimes we continue to sin and we don't even have a second thought that God is even looking at us. 
And this happens so many times in the life of a Christian that calls himself a Christian that practices sin. You know why they continue to practice their sin? Because they say, God is still blessing me. Think about what happens here. Remember what's going to happen next week. We're going to cover this. Where the Lord blesses Solomon with wisdom. And he says, and because of your wisdom, I'm going to make you. Uh, because you didn't ask for money. Because you didn't ask for, you know what, for anything else. I'm going to give you wisdom because you asked for it. And I'm going to give you everything else you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you all these things. And so Solomon thought, you know what? I married Pharaoh's daughter. God's not upset at it. He's still blessing me. And so guess what? I'm going to continue in sin. That's exactly what you have here. Understand this. Yes, it's God's desire to bless us. But when you see the blessing, it doesn't always mean that God is pleased with you. Remember that. When you see the blessing, it doesn't always mean that God is pleased with you. The only barometer, understand this, to measure whether God is pleased with you or not is the Word of God. If you are sinning and doing things contrary to the Word of God, then God is not pleased with you. Remember that. It doesn't mean that He doesn't love you because He still loves you. But He wants to do so much more for you. But one thing we love about God is the grace of God. Remember this is that anytime we find ourselves walking in sin or practicing sin, all we got to do is confess, repent, and walk away from it. And His Word says that if you confess your sin, He is faithful to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. See, we see this here, right? And understand this. It is God's desire to bless. It is God's desire to pour out His grace. But sin will hinder that. And you know what? I've seen many men and, and women that knew the Lord and that the Lord has used them powerfully. But yet they decided to sin. And that's a shame. Just like Solomon, right? Doing things that, you know what, that you know aren't right, that are contrary to the Word of God. And this is what you see here. You know what, people are saying, well, God, I mean, look, God is using me powerfully. And yet they're hiding their sin. Yet they're practicing sin. And they think to themselves, because God's still using me, that, you know what, He's okay with my sin. He is not okay with your sin. It will stop, believe me. Your blessing will stop. And as God's Word says, your sin will come to light. Your sin will be revealed. Your sin will be exposed. You know, God's desire is that we walk in holiness. His desire is that we would continue in the highway of holiness. Remember, there's a narrow way and a narrow gate. Don't allow sin to take you out of that narrow way and that narrow gate. 
to take us out of the highway of holiness. Remember when the sin is small, don't think that, you know what, it's, you know what, that it's no big deal. It is a big deal. If it's contrary to the word of God, then it is sin. And so what do we do to, allow, to stop this sin from escalating, from growing, from snowballing? You repent. You immediately repent. See, otherwise, our heart becomes hardened towards sin. Yes, you may say, but I keep doing it. Well, you know what? You keep asking God to forgive you. And understand this, is that if you are deeply and truly sorry for it, you will see yourself turning from it. But if you're just playing with the Lord and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this and I want to do it and I can't wait to do it. And then after I do it, I'm going to confess. That's not real. God wants you to be real and he knows where your heart is. Don't think that you can fool God. People think that they can fool God and in reality you can never fool God. God knows all things. Let's look into the next thing because we're running out of time here. It's in verse 2. It says, Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he practiced and burned, sac- burned incense at the high places. The second point that we're going to talk about is compromise. Okay, compromise. As we read here, it says that people were sacrificing in the high places. Because there was no house built for the Lord. The last time there was a tabernacle built for the Lord, it was in Shiloh. And we went over this in 1 Samuel. It's from 1 Samuel all the way, uh, chapter 1, all the way to chapter 7. It, it says that that's where the tabernacle was. And what ends up happening is that, is that the Philistines come in and they conquer and they destroy the temple. And they take the ark of God. And we know eventually they bring it back. So where could the people worship if there was no tabernacle? Where were they supposed to go if there was no temple? They wanted to worship the Lord. They wanted to sacrifice to the Lord. And so what they decide to do is they decide to go into the high places. Is there something wrong with this? I want you to understand why this is wrong. The high places were actually the pagan places where they would worship their gods. Where they would worship the demons. And they thought that, you know what, the higher they, they were, the better off they were. And so what does Solomon and these people do? Is they decide to go to the same locations where people are worshiping demons. And they decide to worship the Lord there. It tells us that Solomon loved the Lord except that he was worshiping and sacrificing God. In these high places. He was burning incense. I'm going to read to you from the word of God. And Solomon knew this. But yet he decided to compromise. Look at what it says in Numbers 33 verses 50 to 52. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho saying. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all the engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images. And demolish all their high places. 
These are the high places that we're talking about. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 5. It says, But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. But yet, they don't do this. Think about this. You know, Solomon was so powerful and mighty that he could have just said, You know what? All of these high places, all of these locations... The word of God told us to destroy it. We didn't do it, but we're going to do it now. But he decided, but did he do this? He didn't do any of this. He decided to compromise and to go there and to worship God in these same places. I want to share this with you. There are many who come to church, just like Solomon. And what do they do? They worship the Lord. But yet they compromise his word. Think about that, right? Because that's what Solomon's doing here. He goes to worship the Lord, but yet he compromises the word. See, when God says not to do something or to do something, he means it. This is why you are to have your personal devotional time so that you can allow the Lord to speak to you and to teach you his words and his ways. But yet we have churches that are filled with people who come and worship the Lord, but yet compromise the word. And yet they think nothing is wrong with their worship. But I want you to understand, this is how sin blinds us, right? This is what sin does because it's so pleasurable and it feels so right that you say it's okay. It's no big deal. What's wrong with it? What's wrong if I have a little fun? What's wrong if I compromise? Remember this, when we compromise, it will always lead to further compromise. That's the way compromise works. See, when you compromise the Word of God, you will compromise the Word of God in other areas. When you justify it in your mind, you will continue to justify your sin. Let me explain this to you. It's like when you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to have a beer. There's nothing wrong with drinking. God's word says I can't be drunk, so I'm just going to have a beer. And then you say, well, you know what? There was nothing wrong with that. I'm going to have it next weekend. And then you have it every weekend. And then it turns from not just one, but it turns to two. And it turns to three. And you say, but I'm not drunk. But you see how one compromise led to further compromise? You know, the same thing is when, especially today, as we have all this social media, modern technology, you look at your laptops, your tablets, and you see a girl there or a guy there, and you click on it once, and you say, well, you know what, I shouldn't have done that, but you keep looking at it. And then the following day, you click on it again and you say, oh, you know what, I, I shouldn't be doing this. But you keep clicking and clicking. Why? Because compromise leads to further compromise. See, this was the beginning of King Solomon's rule. Remember this. This is when he's starting out. 
And it began with subtle sins, right? You're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? He married an, e- an Egyptian girl. And you know what? He worshipped God where the high places where there's... You know what? Is it that bad? The Bible says that he still loved the Lord. And the Bible says that he walked in his statutes except for these two areas. And so... What's so wrong with that? Remember how I said compromise leads to further compromise? I want to read to you as we fast forward to the end of Solomon's life. Look at what happens to his life. 1 Kings chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and the Hittites. From the nations of whom the Lord said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But Solomon clung to these in love. He was in love with women. He loved beautiful women. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And what did the wives do? They turned his heart away from the Lord. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Mycom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had, tur- who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my commandment, And my statutes, which I commanded to, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. The women and the worship. The women led him away and the worship led him away. See, when we look at this, right? When we look at sin and compromise, we can replace women here with other sins. Examine your own life. What compromise do you have? We can replace the worship with other compromise. What do you have? See, what are we to do? And this is what's so amazing about God is that I love God because God is a God of of new beginnings. He's a God that gives us another chance. But what are we to do? As Hebrews 12 verse 1 tells us, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Remember, it's a race of endurance. It's not about a sprint. It's about how you finish the race and finishing strong. What are the weights that are slowing you down? Think about this, right? A runner, he puts on weights so that he can get stronger. But he can't run at full capacity, at full strength. But when he takes the weights off, he's able to run and he's able to fly, right? What weights are slowing us down in our walk with Jesus? What's disqualifying you? Think about this, right? He says to put away the sin that so easily ensnares us. What sin is trapping you? What sin is bringing you down? What sin is taking you out of the race? What sin is disqualifying you from competing in the race? See, the Lord is saying, finish strong. Why? Because God wants to bless you. See, many times we forget about this, right? It's, it's not that God is a cruel God or God is a mean God or God just likes to punish. Absolutely not. He doesn't even do this. We do it to ourselves. See, when it comes to the Lord, He is a God that wants to bless us. And He knows that if we follow His word, if we do what He says, then we will receive the blessings from God. When we decide to compromise or to sin against the word of God, then that's when the hardship comes. See, sin is what brings a hardship into our lives. The consequences of sin. See, when it came to Solomon, what was so terrible about this is that because of his sin, the nation of Israel would be divided. Imagine to have this on your head, to think to yourself, I knew all these things. God promised it to my father David that if I would walk in his ways and be faithful to him, that the nation would remain one and strong. But yet because of my sin, now the nation is divided. And now, guess what? My sons, David's sons, would not remain on the throne because of him. He caused it. Imagine this. We're able to talk about Solomon. The lessons that we learn from Solomon... We're able to see these things. His legacy is tarnished. We're calling him a wise fool. Imagine this. His name will forever be remembered as one who started strong, but didn't finish strong. And what's crazy about all of this, just like many of us, Solomon knew this. Just like when we know when we're not supposed to sin. The Holy Spirit checks us. The Word of God tells us. And yet we sin. Look at what Solomon said here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. The wisest man that walked on the earth gave us wise counsel, but yet he himself didn't follow it. Imagine that. 
A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Why the day of death? Because it is your name that will forever be remembered. Either it was good or it was bad. See, we can all learn from Solomon. How do you want to be remembered? Think about this. What legacy do you want to leave? What about for your children? What do you, they, what do you want them to remember you as? Can they always talk about, my mother, my father was like this? My mother, my father. They were men and women of integrity. And I saw the hand of God upon them and I saw how God blessed them. That's what I want. I want you to understand this. God cannot fill a dirty cup. The dove cannot land on a dirty vessel. Remember that. Many of us want what? We want God to fill us, but how can God fill you with His Spirit and God, how can God move through you if it's a dirty cup? How can the Spirit of God overflow you if you're a dirty vessel? The dove and the cup. Are you clean? Don't let any ounce of sin get you out of the race. When we look at Solomon, I'm going to be closing here. When we look at Solomon, no one knows for sure if Solomon ever repented in the end of his life. He doesn't have a prayer of repentance. It's not like King David. Remember, read Psalm 51 and it's a psalm of repentance. He's crying out for, to the Lord and and just reminding him and how good it is to be forgiven and how sorry he was for his sin. When it came to Solomon, we don't know. We see what the Lord wrote about him. We don't know if at the end of his life he repented. But do we want to hear the words that the Lord spoke of when it came to Solomon? I don't think so. I think we want to hear words like, Man, you were great. You were faithful. You sought my will. You loved me. You knew me. And that's why you were blessed. And guess what? Not only did I bless you on earth, but I will bless you in the kingdom. See, God blesses people that complete that are in complete obedience. He blesses people that are in complete submission. The Bible is filled with these promises. Remember this, your life will be blessed when you walk in submission and in obedience. Your family will be blessed when you walk in obedience and in submission. Everything around you will be blessed when you walk in submission and in obedience. And even when times get hard, you will experience success. I'm going to close with one scripture. And this was of Joseph. How many are familiar with Joseph? Remember, Joseph was one of Jacob's sons. 
And this man just says, how can I sin and do such wickedness against my God? And everywhere he was, guess what he did? He walked in obedience. He was tempted just like us, but yet he walked in obedience. And did you know what the word of God tells us? That even when he was in jail, even when he was a slave, look at what it says in Genesis 39 verse 23. Whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Why? Because of his obedience. Why? Because of his submission. God wants to prosper your life. But we got to do it his way, not our way. We can't be a people that desires the Lord and desires the world. It's not going to work. And these are the lessons that we see in the life of King Solomon. And these are the lessons for us. God loves you. God's grace is upon you. God will forgive you and God will restore you and God will give you so much. But as we mentioned, we got to repent. We got to ask God for his forgiveness. And maybe the Lord is speaking to you when it came to certain things that you're doing. May not be women. Replace that with other things. It may not be worshiping in the high places. Replace that with other things. What are you worshiping? What are you sinning with? What compromises are in you? With that, we're going to close and I'm going to give you an opportunity.